Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Mind Shifters Radio with your co-host, the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice, and his wife, Jeannie. Michael and Jeannie share with you the wisdom of the ancient Aramaic internal process of forgiveness. They offer tools and support five days a week. They will support you in building a solid foundation within yourself to live in pure love. In Aramaic, Rachma. Michael is the author of Why Is This Happening to Me Again? For more information on Michael and Jeannie, please visit www.whyagain.com. And now your co-host, the forgiveness doctor, Dr. Michael and Jeannie Rice. To the brightness within you and the truth that is rooted within me. Hi and welcome to Mind Shifters Radio with the forgiveness doctor, Dr. Michael Rice. I'm your co-host, Jeannie Rice, along with Dr. Tim Hayes, and we welcome you to the show. Today is Tuesday, November 24th, 2015, and our call-in number is 646-200-4169. Press 1, and that puts you in queue to talk to us. And we would love to hear your comments and your questions, because that makes this your show. Welcome, Michael. Thank you, dear heart, and welcome. We're honored, delighted, and blessed by the fact that you choose to join us every day that you do choose to join us. And uh, we have a, uh, a, a a nice report, a sweet report uh, this morning. Uh, it seems, you know, yesterday we, we basically spent the, the day um, holding David in a space, and uh, we're told that he made a... Uh, surprising. It was anticipated by the folks at hospice that he would be leaving actually the day before yesterday and yesterday pretty much for sure. And he's up and about and made a turnaround. So um Michael, shifting him. Yes. It's actually though um not all that I mean not that he's up running around, but that he is well no, enough they're no. gonna move him to the VA in Louisville, Kentucky. Yes. Yes. So he's Definitely moving in the uh, in the direction of uh, of bounce back, and bounce back might mean that uh, he makes a conscious choice to to move forward in this process of leaving his body. And I'd hold the space that if David chooses that he can disappear that whole tumor thing in a in a fraction of a second and show us all how it's done. So I hold that space that uh, if he chooses to do that, that. Uh, that he will, and it was anticipated he wasn't going to be able to make the journey to Louisville where his family is, but uh, it's looking like now that's uh, that's a possibility. So, so David, we just uh, hold the space, and uh, if anyone else has anything to share, uh, if you were listening to yesterday's show, if you weren't, uh, basically we kind of spent the whole hour with David, and so if uh, I know that uh, Terry and and uh, Susan made a kind of an emergency trip to uh, to Florida and are back home now in respective places of Asheville and uh, Wilmington. And I think uh, their journey was probably part of David's energetic 
bouncing back to the point that he has, and we'll just keep holding the space. Another kind of uh, interesting and, and fun piece of news is that I've been talking with um, with Gail, who was at uh, the um, summer intensives this summer at Heartland, and uh, Gail has been quite involved in uh, AA recovery program and uh, has been working with these tools for the last, you know, I'm not even sure, year or so since she was introduced to them. She's done a couple of intensives. And uh, and so we've been talking about doing a program uh, based on how the AA principles relate to this work and the uh, support that uh, that she's gotten from her AA community. And there's several other people, of course, that we've worked with who who've been involved in that conversation. And uh, and so next week, starting on Monday, uh, Gail's going to be on the show with us, and we're inviting anyone who's got any experience with AA as a participant or as a receiver. Of course, we're going to maintain the uh, the anonymity of the AA program, honor that rule that uh, uh, we use first names only, and uh, uh, honor that anonymity. But if anybody has uh, a story to share or an experience or some knowledge, I think we're going to take the whole week, actually. We started out talking about a day of it and then decided that we're going to uh, to take the whole week and invite anyone who's got any experience to uh, to share it. And, you know, especially with the fact that uh, this week, of course, Thursday, and we, we hold the space for a wondrous Thanksgiving for everybody. And if there are any family issues that are ready to pop, that they pop and they pop gently and that you stand as a space of love, you apply the tool of forgiveness, remove any contribution of hostility or fear that you could have to any kind of family issue so that your holidays are just a wondrous space. But we're going to dedicate next week to family and to working with the issues that uh, that oftentimes uh, tend to come up around holiday time and really, truly transform holiday time back to what it was originally meant to be, and that is holy day time. These are not holidays. These are holy days. And holy days being those days that are designed to give us the opportunity to connect with others in that awesome space of love and to bring forward our wholeness, the truth of who we are, this awesome presence of love that we're each designed to be. And so we'll take a week to talk about family issues, anything that anyone wants to uh, to speak about in that regard, and uh, and share the, uh, the principles of healing, the principles of AA, how they relate to the why. Uh, Gail has got some interesting information from uh, the Aramaic, which uh, I'm going to be excited to hear more about. Uh, and we'll start that conversation on Monday. So anybody who'd like to be part of that conversation, the whole process for the week will be particularly geared to having absolutely awesome, sweet, wondrous holy days through the Christmas and holy day season, uh, perhaps, uh, some might choose to make it a time when, if alcohol has been a part of your holy days, that you let go of the mind-altering aspect and truly stand in wholeness. Uh, that those substances, you know, it's considered a social lubricant. The truth is that it's a brain-destroying drug, a body-destroying drug, uh, that really doesn't have much use anywhere on the planet, and uh, so we just invite everybody to consider 
uh, being part of next week's conversation. If you know anybody who hasn't been introduced to the work but perhaps is acquainted with uh, one of the anonymous traditions, whether it's NA, OA, AA, whatever it happens to be, I think that uh, we should probably in every community in the world have HA uh, communities, and that is Hostilities Anonymous, because uh, my offering is that hostility is the granddaddy of all drugs. And it is a drug, an internally produced drug that's a, a difficult one to break free from. And so our our holding of the space to be a drug-free holiday season uh, would be what we'll be holding and having a conversation about. And so we invite you to uh, to think about that aspect of the conversation. And on Thursday, we're going to be talking about appreciation and uh, the idea of Thanksgiving. And so, Jeannie, is Dr. Tim with us today? He is, and he's on. Well, let's say hello. How are you, young man? I'm doing very well, thank you. Awesome. Nice to hear that David was feeling well enough to travel to see family. Yes, that's pretty awesome when uh, they weren't expecting him to make it through another day. So, pretty amazing. Again, I hold the space. He can just totally turn this around and uh, show us the fallacy of a grapefruit-sized tumor being real physical stuff and uh, and shifting the energy. Well, I would support him in however he wants to proceed. It's uh, yeah. I really like the, the the part of our discussion yesterday. It really had me thinking a lot throughout. I have thought about this a lot over the years. The idea of grief and death and loss and I've been trying to put together how to talk to my sons about this now that they're 25 and 27 and and my personal preference is that whenever I drop the body and make the transition that it's a time of celebration for people to review any positive or negative contributions I might have made to their lives and celebrate a life that hopefully some would consider well-lived rather than using it as a focal point for a lot of drama and trauma. Um, and I don't know what happens when people drop the body, but if there is this energetic continuation, which there seems to be some evidence of, I would much rather have gratitude energy coming toward me from all of the people I've touched in my life in one way or another rather than the sad traumatic energy. Yes. And and, and so, you know, however it happens, whenever it happens, one of the things I'm trying to formulate for my sons is a statement to that effect that however they might miss me or some of the things that we did together or some of the things that they would have hoped to do, that's not anywhere near as important as the time we've already had. And if they focus on that and do it with gratitude and love, I would appreciate that. I know I would appreciate that now as I'm living, and I can't imagine it will change any when I'm gone onto another level of existence or 
non-physical plane or however you want to talk about it. So that would be my input on that. Well, I certainly hear that loud and clear, and I think that if in any given relationship we have drama and trauma, while that person is alive is a good time to process through it. If uh, if there's an opening for conversation with them, great. If there's not, then to still move forward and to work through those things so that the only thought, the only energy, the only feeling is one of the presence of my own human life and beingness and the presence of their human life and beingness. If there's nothing else in the system, of course, people... You know, we've been, we've been culturally uh, programmed and conditioned to believe that, well, if somebody dies, that really makes us sad, and we think our sadness comes from their passing, whereas if we have a capacity for sadness, then them dying, or in some cases, them not dying, we can say that's the cause of our sadness, or our fear, or our rage, or our guilt, or our loss. And the mind is such an expert at fraud and to let go of the fraud and if I have pain or trauma to be able to heal my pain and trauma and then my take is my experience is that if someone is no longer in their bodies and the only thing you hold within your experience of yourself is your true being And the only thing you hold about them is your experience of their true being, that you've worked through the rest, then whenever you think of them tomorrow, next week, next month, next year, 10 years from now, 20, 50, 100 years from now, the only energy that's there is that of love, that of the purity of the truth of who we are. And so that's the experience that's possible. And if we hold something different, we need to stop telling ourselves a lie that it's about them having left or not left or whatever it is and start telling ourselves the truth that, oh, I have the capacity for this fear, for this rage, for this guilt, for this sadness. And what I just assume to do is let go of it so that the only remembrance, the only thing I remember, reconnect to, is, um, is the presence of true being and the real human experience. And and as I become a participant that brings that into more common experience in the world, that's the kind of contribution that I make to the world. And that's going to change the whole game. So that's my uh, my vote, and uh, that's what we're here to do, to, to do that level and that quality of work. So anything uh, that you're seeing in practice today, Dr. Tim, to uh, to bring forward, to share with, uh, with folks? Well, I just finished a session with someone who had some, they're relatively new and working with me, and they came in last week and they had panic attacks as their presenting issue. And um, so today we were simply talking about the fundamental shift that has to take place, this person came in and said, uh, on Sunday, everything was making me anxious. And so I interrupted and let her know that she was lying to me and herself and talked about how she could be lying to me and herself when she said everything was making her anxious. And we talked about resonance in the energetic universe and we talked about 
one of the key shifts that I have seen people make that makes a dramatic change in their life. If they catch themselves thinking or talking about being a victim of something, I was a victim of this tornado, or I was a victim of the economic downturn, or I was a victim of my parents' alcoholism. If they simply replace replace that phrase, I was a victim of, with I experienced this, and watch the energy shift within them. And it it was the foundation of our conversation today, and she had some tremendous energy shifts just in the session when tuning into the idea that everything is being caused internally. And if she can make that initial adjustment in her thinking, then it gives her all kinds of options that she simply doesn't have if her upset is being caused by things from the outside. So that was the theme. Awesome. And fortunately, she was one of those who was willing to explore that and observe for herself rather than argue and hold on to her position that, no, it's everybody else that's making her anxious. Yeah, what a uh, what a transformation in the, on the planet when 7.5 billion people get a hold of that idea. What a shift. It's, it's, it's a real doozy for some people to even begin to let in. Yeah. But, you know, with a few, a few sure. examples like your the drawbridge in the boat or my example of if you go out to eat with ten people and two get upset because the waiter made a mistake, well, they're not really upset because the waiter made a mistake. And the way we know that is because if the waiter's mistake is what made them upset, then everybody who saw the waiter make the mistake would have the same intensity and level of upset. Right. And, and to just arm people with ways to start observing that in their own life is one of the the best ways I've known or discovered to help people start making that shift. For sure. Yeah, I think the idea of um, of useless or destructive fantasies and constructive fantasies, they're fantasies that we have that um, that are useful to us. You know, if, if we say we're going to meet at two o'clock tomorrow afternoon, uh, you know, that's a fantasy. Time doesn't exist. I love Einstein's statement about time. Time is an illusion, a persistent, albeit a persistent one, an illusion all the same, but it's a useful one. You know, uh, we say the sun rises at 6 a.m., and, you know, the sun has never risen, never will rise. It's a fantasy, but it's one that can be useful to us. But then there are these destructive fantasies that you made me mad, you made me sad, and virtually everybody believes it. I mean, you listen to the language of the whole culture, and I'm pained by this and I'm pained by that, and to really, truly own, I'm pained by what I choose to hold within me, not by what happens without me. Um, it just transforms everything. So, Very cool point, Dr. Tim, and Jeannie tells me that we've got a caller. So let's uh, see what our caller has to say. We actually have two callers, but the first one's been with awesome. us since the beginning, and I think that it's Heartland. 417, you're on the air. Yes, it's Jim here at Heartland. Blessings hey, and James, good day. welcome. 
Thank you. First, I'd like to acknowledge uh, Dr. Tim for two things. Number one, uh, I am totally in agreement with the idea of celebration of life as opposed to uh, sadness and grief. And, of course, being second-generation Irish-American, uh, we do that very well <laughs> with, with, with the assistance of some alcohol on occasion. Uh, on occasion. But, but On occasion. But um, uh, we very often have um, four or five testimonials, eulogies, uh, that generally are filled with uh, or bring about laughter and, and share some of the uh, the fun and, and sometimes idiotic things that have happened in the decedent's life. Anyway, so I want to thank Dr. Tim for that. Secondly, I want to thank Dr. Tim for giving me a rationale, which my ego mind needed, I guess, to uh, complete the laws of living homework. And, and that's the main topic I want to discuss, if I may. On Monday, um, Actually, prior to Monday, to give you the backstory, uh, I had an issue triggered for me uh, that I did worksheets around and came to a, uh, uh, a crossroads in my thinking as to whether or not I should communicate, uh, have responsible communication with the person who was the trigger for my upset. So I decided to do a, uh, a mind shifter and if you'll indulge me, I'll, it's not real long. I'm going to read the mind shifter to you uh, that I created. And uh, the mind shifter was communicating my truth is safe and easy and healing for me, which was the opposite of my ego mind's belief at that moment. So what I, my stream of consciousness was the following, and I'm going to substitute uh, a name here in this interest of anonymity. Um, it is difficult to speak my truth to Mary, I am afraid I will not do it in the space of love. I have judgments about her behavior. I know how to use the responsibility communication tool, and yet I am afraid. Maybe because it is Mary, and I am afraid she will pick out some of my words to use against me as she defends herself. Actually, if she gets defensive, then I have not communicated responsibly, so that's not going to happen. Uh, I could just let go of my need to address what I see as her rude behavior. Maybe that is best. My judgment of rude may be an error. And here's the, the question and the dilemma that rose, arose for me. Do we all have a responsibility to offer someone an opportunity to see the blind spot and consequently support their healing that issue? Or is this just a trick of my ego mind? And then the bottom line conclusion I came to, and this just ends it, I know I can do this with Rachmaset. I have done it before. It is also a possible opportunity for one of my issues to come up for healing. Uh, and I'm complete, and I just thought, you know, Michael, you've invited us to share stuff that comes up from us or stuff from the Mindshift Support Group meeting that might be fodder for discussion on the radio show, and I'm complete. Cool. Well, let me. Uh, I, I, I missed a piece of the puzzle, and that was how Tim had inspired you on your Laws of Living homework and how that's going. Oh, you may not have been on the show that day. Uh, it's going well. Um, what What Dr. Tim had suggested was, well, you know, it's it's a six week commitment, and and so uh, what I had shared with him, which. Uh, engendered his response was that for me life is generally good 
And, and Coach Pixim says, well, if life is perfect, then there's no need to do the work. And I said, well, I didn't go that far. <laughs> Not that it's perfect. But anyway, his suggestion was, well, you know, what do you have to lose? Uh, try it for six weeks. And, and he was repeating what you had said to me, Michael. You know, it's pick up the tools and use them. And if they work for you, you'll continue, you know, it'll reinforce the continued use of the tools. And so he just reinforced what you had previously said to me. So uh, um, it just uh, tripped my trigger in, in a good way. And uh, so I've I, I made a, a choice. And, you know, th- th- which brings up another thought and another uh, worksheet I was doing, um, not to muddy the water here, but... Um, you know, we, we very often use the expression, well, let's see it happening this way, or let's see this happening, and we use the word see. And what came to me in that process was, well, I have to make a conscious choice to see it. I have to be proactive. I mean, just sitting back and waiting to see it is not enough. I have to make a conscious mind choice to see it. And Anyway, I'm complete. Awesome. Very cool. Well, I'm delighted and and uh, hold the space. And there's nothing like a little support from our friends, is there? It sure helps. For sure. You know, one of the other thoughts I had for today's show was uh, talking about the idea of manifestation. We went to uh, uh, Unity in Tampa, Unity North in Tampa uh, Sunday, and they had a... um, a sign up something along the line of manifesting the vision. And oftentimes that idea of manifesting is misused as, well, there's something magnificent there or something good or wonderful, and we want to bring it into expression as though there's some sort of magic magic formula for doing that and when you tie it into the Aramaic idea of manifest to me it just it gives another whole perspective and piece to the puzzle and that is that the word manifest or that's been translated out of the Aramaic as manifest is more properly translated as obvious and so you know if you listen to Yeshua and people are talking about manifesting this, manifesting, I want this to happen, I want that to happen. Yeshua says, stop asking. You you don't need to. I mean, if you, if you want to, go for it. But you don't need to ask because everything that you need has been given to you. And when you tie that into the idea of obvious is manifest, that what we hold as mass chunks of mind energy is what to us is obvious. And the reason he said we didn't need to ask because we'd already received is because the way the whole system works is what is obvious to us is what is manifest. It's what we're receiving. It's what we're experiencing. And the idea is to recognize that if there's some vision out there that we want to have happen, that we want to have manifest, we need to make it obvious to ourselves. We need to build the massive mind energy that that becomes the only creation that's possible for us. 
instead of going around asking for fantastical things that are outside of our conceptual framework. And you think of that idea of conceiving. So many people, you know, have no idea how the creative process works, and they conceive, and they have no idea when the intercourse took place and who the father was. But if we want something different to be happening in our world than what is happening, we need to build the massive mind energy that makes that obvious, therefore manifest, and it will just be part of the automatic process. It's it's within the whole, it's just the way the energy system works. So the Aramaic idea of manifest being obvious uh, was, was kind of a, a really nice refinement on that whole process of uh, of creating. So that ties in there for me. And Jeannie tells us that we've got another caller. Jeannie? We do. It's area code 847. You're on the air. Who do we have and where are you calling from? Um, hi, my name is Cindy. I'm calling from uh, the greater Chicagoland area. And, um, hey there, I'm... Cindy. Hey, how are you? I am well. It's been a long time since we've heard your voice. Yeah. Um, so I've been having two weeks ago, I was in a yoga class, and um, it's kind of a tough yoga class. It's forest yoga, which I really, I like it. I like the teacher. Um, a couple of weeks prior to that, a couple of times, I had overdone things, and I had hurt my back. And um, I had gone two weeks ago, and while I'm doing it, while I'm in the class, I feel great. And then when I leave the class and go, I'm a massage therapist, and I go to work, I don't feel so good. So two weeks ago today, I had gone to this class, felt great, did it. It was a tough class, but in a good way, it felt good to do it. And then I got to work. I had four massages, and my low back just, started to go into spasm, and I just, I pushed past it, and I did the massages. Um, I'd gone to work for a couple of days, and then by Friday, I just knew I was really in trouble, so I had gotten adjusted, and I had gotten some ultrasound with stem, just some therapy, and I felt better, and um, so I continued to work, <laughs> and um, a couple days later, it continued to get worse again, which was frustrating to me because I was I was getting better and I was happy about that. And here I am and I'm having this awful back pain that kind of goes around my hips and goes down my legs. And um, I had had some, uh, some other work that I was doing and kind of journaling. And um, I've been continuing to work and to kind of push past the pain. Um, and I've come to the conclusion that I really am wanting a little bit of a break, and my mind is telling me that if I don't go to work, I don't have value, and I feel like I'm afraid to uh, to speak up and say something like to them, like, oh, you know, this is really hurting, and the doctor isn't like telling me, well, maybe you need to, you know back off or maybe we need to give you a day off or something and I feel like I'm waiting for that and it's just not happening so was wanting I think to do some worksheets around that issue well can I offer a mind shifter that might be helpful uh, sure how about it's safe and healing 
and everybody approves of it when I, Cindy, uh-huh. take, t- take time to take care of myself. Okay, that will be a good one. What's happening with your breath? Um, well, I'm writing this down, so my breath is a little compromised right now. Okay, so I'll invite you to breathe into that one. And um, and and I'd invite you to to shift your uh, your language on what you want to create. I'd I'd support you creating taking care of yourself rather than having a break, because you probably don't really want to or need to break something in order to get the time to take care of yourself. Oh, thank you. I, rem- I remember I remember working with a woman several years ago who. She was in a very busy lifestyle, and she kept saying the words, I want a long break, I want a long break, I want a long break. I I mean, she just, and after some time of saying that, I guess it became rather obvious to her, because what she did was she had a fall where the bone from the elbow to the shoulder, which is the longest bone in the human body, and the least broken bone in the human body, she fell and broke and she got her long break. Um, and and what and and you know you could say, well, so what? That's just. But but what really opens a space for me to think about it on another level in that particular case is that she had been divorced from her husband for about ten years, and a few months after she fell and broke that bone her former husband fell and broke the same least broken bone in the human body. For me, that took it out of the realm of coincidence. <laughs> and so, you know, as much as possible, and every once in a while when we're doing it, I'll say, it's break time, I'll stop. No, no, no. We're going to take an intermission now. Let's let's take an intermission. <laughs> and uh, just to, to shift the language and move into what you really want to create. And, and I really support you taking care of yourself. There is uh, some work on the Internet. You might want to Google a a medical doctor named named Sarno, S-A-R-N-O. Dr. Sarno is in his 90s now, and uh, I understand is still teaching and practicing at, uh, I believe it's the University of Buffalo in Buffalo, New York. He is a back surgeon or was a back surgeon. And, you know, had the standard, you know, 5 to 10% success rate that back surgeons have with so-called physical pain. And uh, and he stopped using his scalpel several years ago and now runs, from what I understand, a 90% plus success rate. And he's come up with the best definition of back pain that I've ever seen. And I've found that uh, for myself personally, because I had a spondylolisthesis uh, congenital you know, at birth, that when I was a kid, if I bent over the wrong way, I uh, I couldn't straighten back up. Somebody had to pick me up. Somebody had to straighten my back up, literally with my the upper part of my body, so that I could stand up again. And had chronic back pain up until not long after I met Dr. Sarno's definition of back pain. And I suffer from zero back pain now, after a lifetime of it, and sometimes pretty severe. And uh, Dr. Sano's definition, what he teaches his people now, is that no matter what you did, 
you know, you, you maybe had a bul- he, he talks about physiology in one of his presentations. You had a bulging disc, and there was a cracked disc, and there was a that or a that or a that or all the all the stuff that people, you know, I picked something up wrong, I twisted wrong, all the things that people lay their back pain on. And what he says is the mind is smart enough when there's something that it doesn't want to deal with to wait for the opportunity, the excuse of, oh, I twisted wrong and therefore I have back pain. His definition of back pain, and it's the best one I've found yet and the most useful one I've found when people can receive it, is that back pain is unconscious rage. And that when we begin to start asking to be shown our rage and to heal our rage rather than having to hide it and then the slightest thing that comes along, the mind's smart enough to to put it in that part of the body and say, oh, see, well, now I have this back pain because I twisted wrong or I lifted wrong or whatever it is. So I'd invite you just to start investigating that and just asking yourself when you've got back pain uh, to be shown the rage if that's what's there and how to resolve it and see what that does for removing that energy. One of the things he points out is that the, the, the mechanism that he's come to understand of the rage causing back pain is that when we hold that rage, it restricts circulation. And he says that a 5% restriction in oxygen to a cell leaves the cell in excruciating pain and that that's where the pain comes from. And so you might start to uh, to work with that and uh, and start looking at it. And, and when you're in that yoga posture doing the difficult stretch and turn to uh, to, to hold the space that, by the way, if uh, while I'm stretching and turning this, there's any rage in there, I'm willing for it to come forward and process out and leave this tissue comfortable and uh, and see what kind of a shift, what kind of a difference it makes. Okay. Thank you. Is there anything going on in your life that you've been pointing a little bit of anger or maybe to the intensity of rage at that uh, you perhaps haven't been acknowledging or looking at? Um, I think there's a couple of things that I can think of that I could do some worksheets on. I'm going to do this mountain shifter and see uh, what comes up from that, and then I can take it from there. Cool. Well, we hold the space and you know report back how that uh, how that opens up for you. What happens? It's a delight to hear your voice. Okay, thank you so much. I appreciate it. All right, lots of love and blessings. Take care. Bye bye. So our calling number is six four six two hundred four one six nine. And uh, Dr. Tim, do you have anything to share with Cindy? Just like you said, I'm sitting here thinking it's great to hear her voice and know that she's still working on things. And I had a tremendous personal response after I bought Dr. Sarno's video and watched it and applied those principles to my life and my long-term back pain. So... I'm glad you mentioned that for her. you want to share a little more about that? Well, I had a fall in um, 1988, just before my son was born. And I had very high pain tolerance. 
And then about nine months later, I went to get out of the car late one night and couldn't stand up straight. So for about four years, I pursued physical therapy and chiropractic and energy healing and all kinds of things. And eventually one chiropractor said, you know, you're too young to be in this much pain and this much swelling. So she did an MRI and discovered that when I had fallen four years earlier, I had cracked the vertebra at L4, L5. And so the disc above and below it have basically lost their squishiness, their cushion ability. So she sent me to a surgeon who has pioneered some spinal reconstruction surgery, and I went grudgingly knowing that I would say no if he said I had to have surgery, but just to hear what he had to say. And he said, well, you waited too long, and there's nothing I can do for you. You're going to have the rest of your life being in a lot of pain, and you know, when it gets really bad, you'll have to go to the chiropractor and be off your feet for months, and that's just all we can do. So I took that to a physical therapist who specialized in back pain and worked with the PGA Tour and said, now here we've got a whole different set of stuff to work on. What can you do for me? And he gave me a set of exercises that allowed me to rehab my back to the point where I could ride bikes and rollerblade and play with my sons, which is one of, to this day, one of, one of my when people ask me, what are your big accomplishments, that's one of the biggest ones in my life. And with all of that being said, I still went probably two or three times a year through a cycle of pain and swelling and difficulty standing. And if I kept up my exercise and kept my weight down, it was better, but it was still a problem. And so I had learned a variety of different stretching techniques and I had things I have in my office that I would use between patients and I would use it several times a day and I had things at home that I would stretch on and do all of this hot and cold packs when it was needed. And then I learned the John uh, Dr. Sarno material and watched the video and thought, well, one of the things he's saying here is every time I go through this cycle of stretching and hot and cold packs and staying off my feet and all of that business, I'm basically telling my body there's a physical problem when in truth there isn't a physical problem. So his, you know, the, a simplified version of his recommendation was simply talk to my body and move through it and be willing to deal with what comes up. And so I, by that point in time, I was already using you know, EFT tapping and the worksheet process and everything else. So I started doing that. And I put away the daily stretching and the massage balls and the other things and just decided to give it a try. And for a period of time, wait and see what happened if I didn't run to one of those physical techniques every time there was a physical discomfort. And lo and behold, here I am a number of years later, and I still don't do those daily stretches, and yet I'm far more flexible and productive 
than I was when I was doing all of that physical maintenance work. And occasionally, I'll have something come up in my low back or my hip, and I know these days from my experience and different energy work I've done that that's related to some level of fear, and I'll either do the worksheets or the EFT tapping or have one of my friends do the NET work on me, dismantle the fear, and within a day or so, the physical stuff is gone. And that's the kind of thing that used to have me laid up for several weeks at a time prior to learning the John Sarno work. Awesome. Very powerful. I love the piece where John speaks about how the mind is smart enough to give itself an excuse. Oh, well, I went the wrong way, therefore. And that it literally takes that opportunity to hide it away and and tell us about how it's physical and it's just another part of the denial system. And when we can take that energy out of denial, then we can process the energy out that doesn't belong and live in comfort and delight. Yeah, and he also says the um, that he, he f- is frequently getting... Um, asked about the, you know, how how much weight is too much for me to to pick up? Because all kinds of people are still functioning from the idea that if I lift something that's too heavy or if I lift it the wrong way, that's going to cause this injury or that injury. And he, he came to his work through research and what he did is he had thousands of people and they took all of their x-rays and back scans and everything and they discovered that um everybody has everybody of a certain age has some form of curvature of the spine or disc herniation or uh, arthritis or pinched nerves etc and yet 67% of the people who had those things had no pain whatsoever. So this led him to the conclusion that when somebody has that problem in their spine, it's, it's a real thing you can see on the screen, but that's not what's causing this, the pain, because if it was, everybody who had that would be having the physical pain. And so he came to the conclusion, and people kept asking him, well, how much should I lift, and what's the right way to lift, and bend your knees, and this and that. He said, my answer to you is, if you can lift it, it's not too heavy. And all those people who've had experiences where they reach for something, bend over, and all of a sudden there's a shooting pain, he attributes that to what you just said, Michael, the idea that, that's the mind saying, oh, here's a good distraction that can keep you from looking at the unconscious material that's getting too close to the surface. And so it creates a pain, which is a powerful distractor, and the next thing you know, I'm not tuning into my unconscious, I'm focusing on my back pain. And I have thought of that often ever since watching that video as I go and lift you know, five-gallon water bottles and 
40-pound bags of salt for the water softener, and, and I think about how I used to be afraid to do those things. And I used to have to think to tighten up all my muscles in my low back and hips before I lifted anything. And and these days, it, I just flow right through it. So that's my input. Yeah, and I recall one of his lectures where he talks about, and then there are people who have perfectly, you know, relatively perfectly healthy looking backs on their x-ray and their MRI and such. And many of those people have all of the pain of somebody who blames the herniated disc and such. And it's just, you know, that reinforced his conclusion that this has got to do with the mind. It hasn't got to do with the body. And he, he says at one point, you know, if you have an injury and people injure themselves or spines or whatever, the body heals the injury. And, you know, the, the, the majority of it has to do with uh, cleaning up what's happening with the mind. And, you know, you listen to that piece of science and then you go back 2,000 years ago and you hear the opening words in the book of John in Aramaic that instead of saying in the beginning was the word and the word became flesh, says in the beginning was the mind energy, the mind energy became flesh. And that when we lock mind energy that doesn't belong in tissue into tissue, the tissue says, ouch. When we free it, that is, when we forgive it, the tissue is relieved of its pain. But, of course, there's not nearly as much money in teaching people that as there is in, you know, popping pills and scalpels and weeks in recovery and physical therapy and all of that. And not that all of those things, there isn't a place for them. There is, obviously. But uh, I think that first order of business is we need to begin looking at what we're doing with our minds and make the energy shift on the subtlest level possible in order to avoid the costly and the the things that can tend to be extremely problematic in the end of going the other way into you know so called physical problems or physical solutions. Well, let me just so add, that, because I, oh, I, I, I can hear people in my mind coming up with all kinds of protestations. And to be, in, in fairness, yeah. he, Dr. Sarno says when he takes people into his program, he insists that they get all of the scans and the tests for cancer and bone cancer and everything else. And once he's ruled out serious physical problems that can cause pain, then he accepts people into his program and says, okay, here's probably what's going on for you. It's not like he's denying the fact that people have broken bones or torn tendons or cancer. It's just that when that's been ruled out and people have these chronic pain syndromes and low back and all the constant drugs and therapies, he's got a different solution. Yay, and thank you, Dr. Sano, for your courage and stepping forward because he's been definitely, um, what should I say, he's been the object of some derision in his community, and yet he's had the courage to keep going and moving forward and accolades to him. And and the the last time I was aware of him, which is probably two years ago, uh, he was still practicing, and I believe then he was age 92, so 
congratulations for carrying on, Dr. Sarno. We appreciate you. We open our hearts to just embrace you and your work and and what you brought to the world. It's pretty awesome. And and so many just awesome medical practitioners who have brought just wonderful insights and understandings and tools to the world to, you know, accolades to them and the gifts that they've given. And uh, thank you to each who, who brings your genius to us and, and shares it. It's a, it's a huge blessing. Jimmy, do we have anything else happening in the uh, chat room to be aware of or anybody with their hand up in the phone queue? It's quiet in the chat room and nobody else has their hand up. We're down to six minutes. If someone has a question, press one. We've got time for one more. A hand just went up. Area code 541, you're on the air. If this is Julie, thank you for that beautiful music to end our show yesterday. Oh, it is Julie, and thank well, you. Sweet. You're welcome. I re-listened to it, um, and it didn't come through too well across all the probably the transference in the electronic world we live in. I don't know, but I'm glad you heard it, we got and, it. and I hope everyone did. Um, we got the vibe. So beautiful. Oh, thank you. I know this is just so amazing. I wrote you an email. I'm excited about David. Um, and I'm also excited about what you brought up in the first 20 minutes of the show about um, manifestation is that which is obvious. And I made a big connection. I and You were referring to anger with Cindy, and I was tuned into Cindy and Brad when when he was taking that, um, that retreat. I haven't heard any of the outcome of that, but I commend them both for working with it. Um, anyway... Uh, that which is obvious, um, three or four months ago in August, I, I, I'll be quick, I was going through um, some difficulty with a couple of Jewish people, a husband and wife, acquaintances of mine through piano teaching. And um, it was just so weird that all this anger came up, and now I'm realizing that I'm working on anger. I'm addressing it, even though I backslide once in a while. I am addressing it, and um, so it shows up in my world as people projecting anger onto me from whatever their reality is. And I'm not taking it personally, and I'm I'm going, well, what is this in me, and all of that introspection, and um, I'm freeing from that, just a little report, and I'm glad to, to know that I am. Um, and I'm doing it with love, of course, and with forgiveness and cleansing. Um, I'm using Ho'oponopono quite a bit also, which is which is helpful. Um, and so with regard to David, yesterday when we did the love exchange and held the space for him, uh, before I even played music, I really tuned in to, okay, the form that's showing up as anything unlike love with regard to what David is spotlighting for us to see, is called um, bladder cancer. And I immediately went to my own immediate body, which is my own scientific laboratory, um, and I said, if there's anything unlike love represented as bladder cancer in me, not knowing, of course, but just if, I you know, ask for it to be removed, 
not only in myself, but in, I expanded that out into my dog, my friends, my world, my community. And so, anyway, I just think that's amazing that it's connected to that which is obvious. In other words, I'm asking to see what it is, obviously, that I'm manifesting that can be removed. So I ask it for all on everyone's behalf when I do the forgiveness work. And that's exciting. And, Michael, thank you for putting the call out to our minds. I heard the call that, you know, David could change his mind if he wants to. And so I think we all um, aligned for whatever is right for David and that 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 option is also one of the options. And um, energetically, he may keep opting for it. So thank you. That's my synopsis. (laughs) Well, we certainly hold the space, yes. And, uh, And thank you for your willingness to step into another level of... Awareness. I'd, I'd invite you to, as you step in and, and use the Ho'oponoono uh, work, to look at some of the languaging there, and I've, I've found that it can be helpful to shift into more accurate language than what is generally put out in the uh, the English speaking culture about that process. Mm-hmm. Because the truth is, when I when I say I love you. I'm I'm telling myself another one of those what can be a useful or can be a very destructive fantasy. The truth is that love is a noun. It's not a verb. It's not something I can do to you. So I think that it can be useful to to offer, I choose to be the space of love in relationship to you. Mm-hmm. And we're telling ourselves more of the truth. Uh, when, you know, in the Western culture, in Many are putting hope out with, you know, I forgive you and ask you to forgive me and to let go of the idea that forgiveness has got anything to do with me letting you or you letting me off the hook and that it's how I go inside myself. And so I choose to remove anything unlike love that you bring up in me and invite you to Hmm. do the same. And there are a couple of things that help to get us more in alignment with language and, you know, when you go back to Yeshua 2,000 years ago, we're down to a few seconds, so I'm going to go through this quickly, but he says the power of life and death is in our words. And the truth is, he knew exactly what he was talking about because our words represent frequencies, accurate or inaccurate. And so as I speak accurately and bring forward frequencies of truth and and I choose to let loose, to forgive, to, to remove anything unlike love that you may bring up in me, and invite you to do the same, give the same gift that if I bring something less than love up in you, that you're willing to forgive it and remove it. And I choose to join with you in being the space of love. And everyone, we're here to hold that space for each and every one. Have a blessed day. Give it to the universe. It's an awesome gift to give. Blessings. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Mind Shifters Radio with the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice and his wife, Jeannie, who present the internal Aramaic process of forgiveness. Michael and Jeannie are here every Monday through Friday on Earth Angels Radio. For more on Michael and Jeannie, please visit www.yagain.com. That's www.yagain.com. 
A-I-N dot com.